Hi, my name is Matthew Bellasario, and welcome to the Catholic Champion Podcast. It's been quite a while since I've done a podcast, and I decided to go ahead and try, and, and I'm going to do a series and put it up on the SoundCloud. And I figured this would be a, a different way to approach the podcast, where you can download, listen to it or download it with a, with a downloader, or listen to it any place you have an internet connection very easily. And I wanted to do a series, and I've thought quite a while about what I wanted to call it, and, I'm, and I decided to call it State of Grace. And since this is the, really the most important thing that for those of us Catholics who are actually trying to live what the Church teaches, live the authentic Catholic faith in a world that's truly crumbling around us, this is something I think that is of grave importance. But in this first podcast in this series, I wanted to focus on what we would consider the problem. Because as we all know, and our Catholics included, our fallen human nature always looks to kind of point the blame somewhere outside of themselves. So we like to look for people around us or situations around us, and we like to look for problems. And indeed, there are problems around us problems in the culture, problems in the church, and we all know too well what they are. So we're going to take a look at the problem here in this first podcast in this series, The State of Grace, and then we're going to really look at what the underlying cause of the problem is. In other words, we're going to kind of approach it as a doctor would approach it and look at the physical, the symptoms of what we see in the church today as a whole, and then we're going to drill down and see what the actual disease is. And then that will be the first part. This will be That will be part one. In part two, we'll delve in further and see how we can actually implement this healing, this, um, this medicine, if, if, if we can call it that. So when we look at the, the culture around us, that's usually the first thing Catholics talk about, how bad the culture is. And indeed, it is pretty bad. Uh, right now, here in the U.S., we really have no Christian society of any kind. Now, for those of you who, who understand the history of the United States, and even though there were a lot of Catholics that came over and originally, uh, originally helped found the New World, um, as we know, the United States is predominantly, was predominantly Protestant in mentality. And, of course, that has its problems right at the at the root, but at least it had some sort of, of moral foundation, okay, and had some sort of uh, morality uh, in, in a certain sense, and it was something that we could call uh, a pseudo-Christian society, and of course that is no longer the case. Even the Christians, as Protestantism has eroded further and further, those who are Christian are really no longer even anywhere close to what we would consider a true Christian to be. And, of course, we have more and more secularism and atheism alive in the United States. And it's really eroded the culture into something that the founding fathers would not recognize today. So we really are, have, a, have a culture problem. And if we go to the statistics, we look at 56% of the population Right now in the United States, somewhere in that area, over 50% certainly now support a homosexual marriage. Of course, this is ridiculous, but this is what we have right now. We have an inversion of reality. We have modern philosophy. 
that is not rooted in objectivity and is rooted in a radical subjectivity causing a problem, an inversion of reality. But we know that this is not just a problem in the culture. It is an actual problem in the church. And so this is what a lot of Catholics now will, will focus on. And indeed, it is a problem. Uh, in 2012, 53% of Catholics voted for Obama. So this should give you a clue as to how deformed the Catholic conscience is as a whole. But what is the underlying problem? We're going to look at this, um, that it really comes down, it will really end up boiling down to Catholics who have stopped practicing the faith. And I'll, I'll get into that as, as we go, because it, it, it really, get you kind of get drilled down deeper and really see, you know, there are a lot of us will, will sit back and think that we are the ones that, that we're not part of the problem. And I think if we really examine we're going to see that a lot of us are probably more of a problem than we think, but I'll get to that. How has the church been affected? According to the Georgetown survey, only 24% of professed Catholics in the U.S. attend Mass regularly. So right off the bat, those who, are, who consider themselves Catholic, only 24% of those people are actually going to Mass once a week on Sunday. Now, as we know, that is one of the prerequisites of being a Catholic, and most Catholics do at least understand that they're required to go to Mass on Sunday. So when they refuse to do so, they're already putting their souls at jeopardy because they're ignoring what God teaches through his church, something very simple and something that we know even through the natural law that man is required to worship God. But we have this whole mentality where I can worship God wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. This individualism, which again is more rooted in modern philosophy and rooted in Protestantism, that we have this radical individualism. I can worship God my way. And this mentality really comes from the Martin Luther type of mentality, where I've got my own walkie-talkie to God. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and if I want to worship while I go out and hunt or I go out and fish, that's just fine, which is, of course, ridiculous. And God has given us certain things that he has required of us to give him the worship that is due to him. And, of course, our Lord taught us this through the Catholic faith. And so for those Catholics, the majority, great majority of them who are not going to Mass regularly, this is a serious issue. So 76% are not attending Mass on a regular basis, but even if we drill down further, the 24% the who are going to Mass regularly are doing so in an average novice sort of parish. And for those of those people, only 63% of them go to confession once a year. So right again, we can knock off uh, another 57% uh, of those 24% who are going to confession. That's, of course, a, another uh, non-negotiable for a Catholic. They have to go to confession at least once a year. So they're not even following the precepts of the church. So now it doesn't take long to figure out that the vast majority of people who are actually really practicing the Catholic faith is extremely small. And the term remnant truly identifies those who are practicing the authentic Catholic faith. Now, I consider myself what people would call a traditional Catholic. I attend a priestly fraternity of St. Peter Church, uh, has the Latin Mass. Occasionally, I go to the Eastern Catholic churches as well. 
And I prefer those to the Novus Ordo uh, liturgy for many reasons, which I will not get into in this particular series. Um, but when we even turn around and look at those uh, religious orders, we have the same problem in the religious orders because there are a very small group of people actually in the religious orders that are living the authentic Catholic faith. So as the church goes, the world goes, and we see, of course, our culture also degrading. Uh, Catholics are much more liable, they're much more liable to go along with, with anything. We see them going to the terrible movies and, and listening to terrible music and considering art that is not really art artwork. And the political constituents that they claim to be Catholic are really opposed to Christ and his church, and, and so on and so forth. So we have a serious problem here. And so we turn around this Catholics and it's our human nature to kind of turn around and look at all these problems that are going on in the church. And we want to point to this bishop or that bishop or these people and this, the liberals and this and that. And, and of course this is a problem because when you have, uh, you know, 80% or 90% of your army has already abandoned the field of battle and they've taken off leaving only, you know, 10 or 15% left standing there with huge uh, odds, it, it's a serious problem. But as we should know, God wins big battles with a uh, small group of people if they are very faithful. And so what I want to do now is take a look at the underlying causes of these, these symptoms that we see going on around us in the culture and in the church. Even though we're living in extreme times, and I would consider Catholics right now to be living in an, a, an extreme uh, cultural situation that the church has never really seen before, and the church has been through a lot of bad stuff. But our Lord has not abandoned us, and of course, for those who will listen, listen to what He to listen to the Holy Spirit and actually make use of the tools He has given us, and cooperate with the grace that He has given us. We can indeed not only counter these evils in the world, but we can ensure that we do not become part of the casualty count in the war for souls, which is the most important issue at hand. We seem to think that those who are going to hell are quote-unquote the outsiders who hate the church. However, many Catholics are also going to find themselves in hell. God is not grading on curves. Yes, he has great mercy. But just as his mercy is deep and wide, so is his justice is absolute. So we really have to focus on our own spiritual lives. So now we're going to get into a little bit about what it, how should we approach this? From We really need to approach this from a spiritual angle or spiritual point of view. Because many of us tend to focus on, as do the pagans of our generation, we focus on the world rather than our souls and the heavenly prize to be won for winning the race. But do not mistake me by thinking that fighting for our society is not important, but we must remember that is the world was never meant to be our home. It wasn't a home for our Lord, and it will not be a home for us. And so I kind of want to drive that home, a dear friend of mine. Uh, Monsignor always reminds me that we are living in alien territory. 
So I want to repeat that. He says, we are living in alien territory. I don't think that sinks in with a lot of people. He says that even most priests and bishops don't understand this important reality. It is, however, very important because it shapes the way we view reality. Yes, there was a time when the Catholic Church heavily influenced the majority of the civilized world. We know this is no longer the case, and even when it was the case, the world was far from a utopia. So we should not make the mistake of thinking that uh, we should conquer our culture so that we can live unhindered in a world that will never be. We have, I think we have this idea that we are going to build heaven on earth, and that is still a serious problem in the church. We have this idea that if we just fix everything and make everybody tolerant, that we can all live happily ever after and we can do whatever we want, but this is never going to be uh, the reality. And all the protests, the rallies, the pro-life marches, they're never going to give us a Catholic utopia. Are these things important? Do they have their place? Yes. But insofar as they advance the preaching of the gospel so that souls may come to Christ. Again, yes, these things are important, but the end, one thing that Catholics forget about nowadays, the teleology, what you're actually, what your end game is. What is the outcome you're looking for? It's not just to put together a combined effort of goodwill people that can make the world a better place. That's, that's not what it's all about. It's not just about doing good things and going around and feeding the poor and, and all that is, don't get me wrong, feeding the poor and doing these works of mercy are great things, but they have to be done with the right spiritual backing behind them. If you're just going to go out and kind of buddy up with whoever and, and you're going to make this world a better place with some kind of combined uh, effort and this is looking for the end game to make the world a better place and that's what the focus is, it's kind of useless. Okay, so I, I think that, uh, you know, dis despite what we hear even from the bishops and, and the hierarchy of the church that talk about the religious liberty and, and, and all this kind of tolerance, this is not really what's at stake because the gospel it always is always going to be a threat when it's preached uh, in the culture. And you can see the apostles all lost their lives for it, um, with the exception, of course, of St. John, of course, but he, 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 his whole life was a martyrdom. So one way or the other, if you're going to preach and live the gospel, you're going to be attacked. And even if you're in a Catholic society, take a look, just read the lives of the saints. Even they had to suffer. You're not going to get out of suffering. So what we have to do is be willing to preach the gospel, bring souls into the church, and all the works we do must have this as the ordered end. That is the salvation of souls. So if we act with this as our intended end, it's going to require sacrifice and really an ultimate rejection of us by the world. In other words, most people think they can change the world so they can live unhindered lives where everyone's religious liberty is respected and we can all just do what we want and live comfortably in our homes. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, I am not uh, special when it comes to this. Uh, I would love more than anything else to be able to hang out in my house and read books and do podcasts and write and smoke cigars and play guitar and watch a movie. All these things, I am no different than anybody else. 
So when, when I'm taking a look at, at, at this, I'm preaching to myself. So if you're listening to this podcast, don't take this as if I am uh, um, attacking you or, or judging you or anything like that, because this really comes from introspection. It comes from me looking at myself and looking at what is it that I'm going to have to do if I'm going to persevere in, in, in living the Catholic faith. So we look at this, is there going to be sacrifice? Uh, absolutely, it's going to come one way or the other. Um, Father John Harden once said, and I quote, he said this, We have no illusion about the price we followers of Christ have to pay to remain faithful to our divine master. Throughout the Gospel of St. John, we are told that when Christ came into the world, the world rejected him. We are told we cannot both love Christ and the world. We are warned, or shall I say, promised, that the world will treat us as it treated the living God when he came into this world. As the vicar of Christ tells us, we are expected to die a martyr's death or certainly live a martyr's life. End quote. So that kind of sums up this whole idea of building the utopia on earth and, and all working together. To This is not going to accomplish a whole lot. And what we have to look at is we are going to be called in some way or shape or form to live a, a life of sacrifice. So where should our focus be now as Catholics? Living in the sinful world, all the, the terrible things that are going on around us, the church, the bishops who aren't living the faith, all the things that are the, the bad things that are happening in the church and, and the terrible theology and kids being brainwashed into believing error and all this. But where should our focus be right now? Well, if we look at ourselves, I believe that God calls individuals to specific actions according to his divine plan. So all of us has a particular thing that God wants us to do. It's up to us to, to, to find that. St. Thomas More did not have the same calling that St. Catherine of Siena had. And St. Thomas Aquinas' gifts were far different than that of St. John Vianney. So we must be all open to what God is calling us to do. But first, we must be able to listen for God's direction to see what he is calling us to do. Uh, most of us find ourselves, you know, living um, active roles in our communities. You know, as far as we have jobs, we have children, we interact with other people in the culture who are not of the Catholic faith on a regular basis. But do we always do everything that we could be doing to live a stronger Catholic faith, to defend the church, to preach the gospel? And most of all, do we actually develop an interior life so that ourselves and those around us may be saved? That is the question. Now, in our time, we've been kind of brainwashed into thinking that external works are more important than spiritual works. So we have this air that we think we can work our way into heaven. We can build again this utopia on earth. We can just do good things. And that's as long as you're a good guy, you're going to heaven. This is, of course, an error. You must have supernatural grace to go to heaven. Please, that's important to understand. Most people think that as long as they're a good guy and they're kind of good to everybody and, you know, they're not too terrible, not a Hitler or, or whatever, and they do some good things and uh, go down to the you know, volunteer their time somewhere at a soup kitchen or whatever, that that's, that's what God wants them to do. It's just a good thing. But we really have to dig in deeper. 
We cannot work our way into heaven. And there are even many Catholic organizations nowadays. I won't mention any names, but they focus on the external issues of the day. They, they focus on raising money, and they don't really have an underpinning of the spiritual life that actually underlies the, 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 these problems. They're, all of these issues that we see in the culture, uh, the underlying problem is a spiritual problem. And I think that Satan jumps for joy when he sees Catholics going here and there and being pulled in all directions, spending their efforts in social justice, doing fundraisers, while many of do, who are doing all these things are not spending the necessary time developing an interior life. Again, let me reiterate, I'm not saying that you can't raise money or do good things or feed the poor. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you do not have an interior life that is developed by a serious prayer life. I'm not talking about praying a rosary once a day or spending 15 or 30 minutes doing. I'm talking about a real a prayer life that you spend immense time in praying so that you can hear what God wants you to do. Uh, then all of these things that you're doing aren't going to amount to much. The pro this, this problem is commonly known as the heresy of good works. So, but what is this heresy of good works. Now I want to, uh, there's a really good book that I do recommend reading. It's called The Soul of the Apostolate. And I think Catholics nowadays, this would be a great book for them to read. It's not, it is not a, a, a huge book, so it's, re it's pretty easy to read. Um, but it talks in there about the importance of developing a spiritual life and what the heresy of good works is. And so, I wanted to read a small excerpt from the pages. This is uh, page 10 of the Soul of the Apostolate. So here I quote, Now for a man in his practical conduct to go about his active works as if Jesus were not his one and only life principle is what Carmel Mermelag called the heresy of good works. He uses this expression to stigmatize the apostle who so far forgets himself as to overlook his secondary and subordinate role and look only to his own personal activity and talents as a basis for apostolic success. Is this not in practice a denial of a great part of the tract on grace? This conclusion is one that appalls us at first sight, and yet a little thought will show us that it is only too true. Heresy and good works feverish activity taking the place of God, grace ignored, human pride trying to thrust Jesus from his throne, supernatural life, the power of prayer, the economy of our redemption relegated at least in practice to the realm of pure theory. Pure theory. All this portrays no merely imaginary situation, but one which the diagnosis of souls shows to be very common though in various degrees, in this age of naturalism, when men judge above all by appearances and act as though success were primarily a matter of skillful organization. End quote, Soul the Apostolate, page 10. So we look at this, this mentality that, that many Catholics have today. This book was written quite a while ago, and we see that there is an, an issue of Catholics working feverishly, doing all these things, but really spending little time in prayer. 
so we look at the, the Catholics. I already gave you the statistics there at the beginning. If you're not even practicing the precepts of the church, uh, obviously, you know, what are you doing out there doing all these other things? And furthermore, if you are practicing the precepts of the Catholic Church, um, which you should know that is attending Mass on Sundays and on Holy Days of Obligation and rest from servile labor, you should confess your sins at least once a year. You should receive the sacrament of the, U the Eucharist at least during Easter season. You shall observe uh, the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church, and you shall help provide for the needs of the church. So these are the minimum requirements just to be even considered a practicing Catholic. That is, if you're not even doing these five things, you're not even on the you're not even in the ballpark. You're not even playing the game. If you're not practicing these five precepts, good luck on getting to heaven. For those of us who are living the precepts, we have to take a look at our interior lives and really see how much time we're devoted to praying. Are we praying the rosary? Are we going and spending time before our Lord in uh, Eucharistic adoration? Are we spending more time praying than we are watching TV? Things like this we have to ask ourselves because truly that is the underlying problem that we have in the church today and in the world today is that Catholics are not practicing the faith like they should be. And they're lukewarm. They figure if they can get a rosary in here, they're, they're doing a good thing. That's great. Um, but really, what are we doing as far as real prayer goes? Are we really spending time in prayer? Are we able to, uh, and I, again, a lot of us, we, we're busy, we work, we get home, we're tired. And we want to sit down and watch a movie. I'm guilty of it. I want to come home. I want to relax. I want to watch a, you know, a movie. And then I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Uh, so we, we can't be doing this. We have to, to make prayer a priority and develop our love for God so that we can really engage in a deep level of prayer and see where God really wants us to work. Does he want us to do these external works? We don't even know. Uh, you know, if we're not in a consistent state of grace, um, people that are in and out of a state of grace all the time, how are you going to know what God wants you to do? So these are critical things. And so now that we kind of know the problem, uh, we, we see the external symptoms, we know the, the, what the problem is. Now, in the next podcast, I'm going to propose a solution and how we actually are able to, the importance of the developing the interior life is what I'm going to start with and talk about that a little bit more, the importance of it, and then we're gonna dive in with an action plan. Everybody, you know, the American mentality is to have kind of a list of things to do. And so I'm going to put together kind of uh, a list of some sorts, and uh, we're gonna take a look at that in the next, in part two of the State of Grace podcast. Thank you for joining me, and I will talk to you on the next, uh, on part two. May God bless and keep you.